I was there. I don't have to listen to it. This week's show because it was a disaster. When you live in a beach resort, it's easy to forget whether you are playing or working. On each week's show, we settle in with a cocktail and try to figure out if there is a difference. This is Day Drinking on Delmarva. I am Todd from GoodCleanFunLife.com. And I'm Tony Russo, no relation. And you're listening to Day Drinking on Delmarva, a podcast about life, culture, and history on the Delmarva Peninsula. Todd lives, wait, Todd drinks because he gets to live here. I drink because I have to live here. Todd, Todd lives because he gets the drink. Yes, it's 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 been crazy. It's been a while. Welcome back to you. Happy New Year. Yeah, happy New Year. Uh, we we had a we had a long, difficult uh we'll call it third fourth quarter of 2022. <laughs> yes. So we, we we took an extended break, but now we're back and we've got all sorts of exciting things that we're gonna start. Um a, a couple of which I'm I'm very excited about. But each week, as you know, we're sponsored by a small business that we like and the drinks we are drinking this week. And this is probably the last week that it'll happen. Um, I'm still on the the water wagon. Cool. And it's it's like 96 percent because I forgot that my recording studio is no longer set up and I had to choose between making a drink and recording. And, you know, even even I don't have that big of a problem with alcohol. So. <laughs> I decided to go with setting up the recorder and just drinking the water that's already on my desk. Yeah, perfect, perfect. Yes, and I'm drinking water as well. Um, not for any particular reason other than I'm making sure I'm hydrated because today is the starboard holiday party. It was uh, it was such oh, a busy wow. December that uh, that yeah we we had to get through everything else before we could even start it. But and so you'll be you'll be not sleeping in. Uh... In in Berlin this evening. That's right. That's right. That's good yeah. for you. That, the question is whether you sleep in the van or in the hotel. I guess is it <laughs> right? It's uh, are you doxing me? No, that's not right. The uh, we, we get to. I don't uh, think do it's a work. secret that you live in Berlin, <laughs> Mister Musk. <laughs> it's uh, it's no secret. The sleepy the sleepy little town of Berlin, which. Uh, is you know a, a, fan, a fantastic place to live and uh and and work but most of our work is in delaware so <laughs> when when we get to work and play we we stay up there so yeah got the van got the hotel got uh got all the the setups and as long as you brought that up let's get into it each week we are sponsored by a local business that we like and that's really just todd or me um and so this week it's todd's turn because it's the new year and we've got a new project that we're going to be talking about for the rest of the year. So let's get, get into on. it. Yeah. So, yes, uh, if you're finding us for the first time or if you've been listening, um, welcome. And uh, and know that what we do is social media and digital marketing. I still go with digital marketing. I feel like that's maybe an older term. But uh, our our main group. Uh, our main focus is website, uh, media production, and and a, and a fair bit of, of social media, you know, th- that landscape that you have to kind of fall in between. And we've been doing it for 10 years now. And I think that 2023 is going to finally be the year where I start actually putting down uh, onto paper, computer paper, and uh, sending out to people uh, thoughts, uh, tips, best practices, 
And a lot of it is going to be geared for the the restaurant industry because there's so much opportunity to do so many good things uh, online to promote your business, to promote uh, the food, the vendors, the the customers, um, you know, the and and the the area in gen in general. Uh, I I mean, one of the reasons that we've gotten into doing what we do is because we love food, drink, and entertainment. Um, and I think that down here on the Eastern shore, uh, there's, there's quite a bit to offer. So, um, a new good, clean, fun, uh, newsletter is going to be coming out. It will be fun. Uh, and it will, uh, it it will be, it will be, it will be something. So I think it's going to be a good time. I want to tell you about a bad restaurant experience now that I had late last year. Okay. Um, it was in a famous ish restaurant that is in close proximity to the Bay Bridge. It was on the western shore of the Bay okay. Bridge. Okay. And it's one of those things. I had such a tantrum, and I'm really good at having tantrums. So we went, and as we pulled in, I said, We've been here before and we didn't like it, right? And my wife's yeah. like, No, I think. I don't know. We've been here before. I don't, I think we liked it. I don't remember. And so like we watched the, we watched one of the world cup games and the service was miserable and the food was mediocre. Mm-hmm. And I said to myself, you know what? I'm never going to a restaurant again. And that was, <laughs> that was it. Yeah. I, I, cause I, I, as we've talked about before, I was always, I was always a notorious, I prided myself in being a notorious over tipper. I feel mm-hmm. like you should pay for what the meal would have cost if they charged the right amount. Right. And by the end of it, I was like, no, I'm never tipping anyone again. I'm, I'm, I've, I don't know if it's because I'm old. Um, but I was like, I'm not, I'm not paying. I'm not going to, I'm not going to subsidize shitty service because the waitress hates me because the owner is a cheapskate or whatever. Right. I just right. know I was so, so, so furious and by accident, um, I got tricked into going out to dinner again at a later date and I had such a good experience. I'm like, okay, oh, good. maybe I will continue to go out to dinner on occasion. And it really is just like the, the place uh, the I mean, I'll say it, it's the red, hot and blue you know, oh, okay. Yeah. And it is a tourist trap, you know, and it is it, it is a tourist trap. That's what it's there for. It's there for people who are like, I need a drink before I start to mess with trying to cross this Bay Bridge. Um, and uh, and I talked to the owner. The owner sat with me and watched this person like disappear for hours. Yeah. And we talked and we talked soccer, and I just sat there thirstily looking at the owner saying <laughs> Do you notice anything missing here? Like a bartender, you know, and the fact that a bartender would disappear for hours at a time while the owner was sitting at the bar. I'm like, oh, nobody here cares about anything. And that's when I got really, 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 really angry. And I got angry at the whole industry. And I'm like, I'm never dining out again. Um, But it's so and it's so simple to just do a nice job. And I'm sorry, it's not simple to do a nice job for 100 covers a day for. Right you know, 300 days a year. Um, and I, I understand that, but it's something that I don't think you can say often enough that 
it really does matter because I genuinely am not ever going back to that place. I will remember now that I hate it. Like it had yeah. been maybe six years or seven years since I, since I've, since I've been there. And I was like, ah, now I remember every time I pass out, I'm like, Oh, I hate that place. I'm never going right. there again. I remind right. myself, ah, I remind myself how miserable that experience was. And when you were, you know, it's hard to keep that. I, I can't imagine how hard it is to keep that in your mind as a server, but mm-hmm. you know, it's something that maybe owners and managers could do a better job at keeping in their minds, like keeping an eye out. Like if I'm sitting next to the owner and getting shitty service, that's the culture there. Yes. You know? Right. Right. Well, and, 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 and that's what, and that's what I was going to say is like it, Yes, it's hard to do 100 covers a day, 300 days a, a year. Um, it's not for the faint of heart when you're, you know, relying on, you know, guys who just took the job, right? right? You know, who might be in the kitchen or might be your bar back and you have no glasses and no ice and and, and that sort of thing. But from from the top down is, is you know, if there's trickle down culture, I, I feel like the restaurant industry is one of those places that uh, that it's much more obvious whether uh, the the ownership is looking to squeeze uh, every bit of the very slim margins that they have, or if they care about their people um, and and care about uh, their their customer and and caring about their people first, in my experience, has been what leads to successful uh, restaurants. Absolutely, the case if I if, if- if you're not miserable at work, it's easy to be nice when you're in a bad mood. Right. And also when you see, when you, when you have an owner or a manager who's actively participating in it, not just, you know, not, not just in the office saying I'm doing the bills, make sure everybody gets fed, you right. know, and develops this kind of pitch in culture where they see, you know, not only, not only do they pitch in, but also people know that when they're not pitching in, it's because they can't, not because they're goofing off. Right. And, um, and I think that's a, that's a, that's a cultural thing that you see in, in restaurants and whether it's the ownership or the manager, it certainly has to do with the attitude and mm-hmm. the attitude about them toward customers. Um, as I mentioned before, I'm in the funeral business now and the attitude of funeral directors toward potential dead people is it, it was just heartwarming it was just like wow these people genuinely care like they spend their yeah. free time trying to figure out how to make death a little easier on the living and like that's yeah. like their hobby and their job and you know and they mean it you know and you get that from restaurants restaurant. you also get that from funeral home to funeral home i'm working on a story now about a funeral home that accidentally not accidentally um, that cremated someone who didn't want to be cremated. I mean, they weren't alive oh. anymore, but um, <laughs> thanks for clarifying that point. But yeah, now there was this football player who, who had, they suspected had CTE oh. and he kind of went off the rails and he got killed by the police. Mm. And the, you know, they wanted to have his brain examined to see if, you know, CTE was what made him go off the rails and the funeral home just, mistakenly cremated him and it happens it happens more often than you'd think 
And it's always a shock because I, I talk to people who are like, okay, there's no amount of let's just check one more time that you're going right. to regret <laughs> when, when right. it's time to cremate somebody. Like, look at the signature. Is it the signature? Did the person who signed it have the right to sign it? Did you check yeah. that they had the right to sign it? You know, you can't just call the home and say, did you? It's not like, you know, it's not like peace. It's like, did you order onions? You know, did you say cremation? <laughs> you know, there's this big legal process because, you know, lives are involved. And taking that kind of care, and that's the difference. The difference between an ownership that takes that kind of care and ownership that doesn't is the difference between, you know, a good customer experience uh, and and a horrifying one. Yeah. And, and also, uh, people make mistakes. That's a big mistake. I mean, you yeah, know, for sure. But, um, you know, when, when you have a good reputation and, uh, a legacy of, like I said, taking care of your people so that they take care of, uh, the customers, it, those things hopefully are easier to overcome and, and, and how you respond to, um, you know, what is an obvious, uh, and glaring mistake you know, it says, says a lot about, uh, the and again, it, and if the, and if the, the, if the, if the ownership has that kind of relationship with the employee, then the employee is going to step up and take yeah, responsibility for whatever went wrong and figure out how to make it right. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no amount of, uh, <laughs> gift cards or, um, you know, and, or, or, oh, or I, free I don't want to come back here and eat here for free. <laughs> I don't want to be, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not in, I'm not, I don't want to come in this building anymore, you know? <laughs> right. Right. But it, yeah. I mean, well, and what I was going to say that, that, uh, that aren't worth giving if, uh, if it's an, if it's an honest mistake, but if it is uh, a, a cultural thing, I mean, if you get, you know, if you didn't, if you wanted, I love this story. If you wanted butter, and noodles at the Fibos restaurant when I was a server there in Bethany beach. Mm-hmm. Um, and didn't specify that you wanted the butter separate from the noodles, right? That's an easy fix. Right. You know, you don't, you don't have to, you don't have to throw the plate back at the server, me, and then right. demand to see the, the manager, um, you know, because uh, you know, just because you're a dick to, right. you, you know, your, your party guests and, and that sort of thing. You know, it, it was an honest mistake. We can fix that. No problem. And um, that that story ended well, where the, the manager was actually the owner, Jeff, and he came out and threw the guy out for, for being <laughs> such a such a dick. So, you know, there's the, that's the other side of it. That's excellent. Um, so more tidbits like that, if you subscribe to Todd's newsletter, when we tell you what it is, but that's a secret for now. Yep. Um, and I wanted to talk about my one cool thing and my new my new job on this podcast because as you as you may recall, since you were there, when we started this, I used to tell you about the news that was coming mm-hmm. out in the paper the next day. I'm not in the news anymore, and it's been difficult for me to come up with one cool thing every week since I rarely I leave my office to sleep sometimes to eat. Usually I eat in my office as well. I shower in a different room, but mostly I'm like 90% in in this office. And so I decided to just go to different newspapers. And since I was going to different newspapers, I decided to go to old newspapers. And so each week I'm going to pick a story from Delmarva's past and I'm going to report on it to you. And I'm going to read you some of the highlights. And this, um, this first one is from June 7th. 1971, the Baltimore Sun. 
page 17, written by Mary Cordry. And that's two D's in Cordry. Um, it is coverage of the 1971, the 24th annual um, chicken convention in Ocean City. Oh. <laughs> and it has so much. The 24th annual Delmarva Chicken Festival. Do you remember when they tried to revive this? I don't think I do. They was, tried to revive it, it and they turned this it isn't like a, This isn't like a, a, a chicken company convention. This is like fun for the whole family type stuff. This, this, was, this was a massive event. Um, okay. One of the things that it featured, which is what I heard about when I first got here, was it had like the world's largest frying pan. Oh, um, okay. And uh, I'm, I'm trying to get to the frying pan part. Uh, a giant frying pan for still more. They, they, so they have this huge frying pan that they would fill with chicken and people would eat the chicken. Okay. Um, and they would also have a Miss Delmarva and Little Miss Delmarva, which we'll get to in a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, the, the, center, the centerpiece was a chicken cooking contest. And whoever cooked the best chicken was the winner. And this year, um, the winner went to um, Mrs. Ronald Powell, and she's a housewife from. Oh no, that's the second place. Uh, she she won second place. Oh, oh there you go, uh, Mrs. Thomas H. Young. So we don't know her first name because screw her. She's a woman, <laughs> and it's the 1970s. <laughs> So Mrs. <laughs> I'm surprised Mrs. a woman wrote this uh, wrote this article. Yeah. So Mrs. <laughs> Thomas H. Young, a housewife from Searcy, Arkansas, won the ten thousand dollar first prize in the cooking Whoa. contest, and Whoa. the right to go to nationals. So yeah, this is a big, big freaking deal. This yeah. is a huge tourist thing. That's why I think they they ended up trying to revive it as a as a concert. You remember it was a concert, and like Pepsi sponsored it. And they were had national acts at the uh, at the um, at the baseball field in Salisbury. This had to be oh. two thousand and seven or two thousand and eight. Okay, this sounds familiar. And it was a huge flop. It was like yeah. a massive, massive flop. There, uh, they had you know that the tickets were like seventy dollars, and then fifty dollars, and then twenty five dollars. And then somebody please come to this concert. Sting has never played to an empty stadium before. It was really like, you know, they had these uh, massive. Um, anyway, it was it, it was an embarrassing. It was an embarrassing chicken fest. Was that was it called chicken fest? I can't recall. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. But I want to tell you what the winning recipe in 1971 was, because it's the first part of history that's in this article that I think is awesome. Um, <laughs> The the winning recipe was called Dippers Dippers Nuggets Chicken. This is nuggets of breast meat dipped in a batter, deep fried to a golden brown, and served as hors d'oeuvres dipped in a selection of original sauces. Wow. So was the Chicken McNugget debuted on Delmarva in 1971? It certainly, it, it certainly sounds like it was. It surprised all of the judges. And one first place. One how of the is, judges. How, go ahead. How is that? How can I not 
uh, imagine there not being chicken nuggets. You right. Know? Well, I right? remember when chicken nuggets came to McDonald's. I'm I'm older enough than you, I think. I'm older than chicken nuggets at McDonald's. I remember when that was a new thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, the idea of Dipper's nugget chicken um, nuggets. I, I love that they describe it. Like that's what, that's what makes me think that it wasn't really a thing. Well, because and if all the judges were surprised by it, I mean. In what world do chicken nuggets win a chicken contest? Where chicken nuggets are things that are always, you know, that's like, you know, that's like, hey, I, I, I uh, baked this potato. You baked it. That's crazy. <laughs> you baked a potato. <laughs> um, the second one was. I, uh, I put Sunday. fresh juice in a in a cup full of vodka. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the the second place was Mrs. Roland Powell, no first name, um, a housewife. From- I love the housewife too. A housewife from Johnsonville, South Carolina. She got five grand for sunshine chicken salad, which was avocado, celery, olives, and almonds. And third prize went to Mrs. Thomas W. <laughs> Paintech of Chicago for crusty chicken wrap-ups, drumsticks wrapped in refrigerated crescent dinner rolls. Ooh. That sounds like she was stoned. How, how did that one not uh, get picked up by McDonald's? It's, yeah, it's, that's cumbersome. All right. So wait, you get a chicken breast, a chicken leg, and then you roll yeah. it in a crescent roll and bake it. Yeah. Yeah. Now that seems like you're hiding the good part, right? Like the good part of the chicken is the chicken skin. It's not the right. Pillsbury crescent roll. Um, And then the well, fourth. It, go ahead. Okay, go, you go ahead. The fourth was Mrs. John Petrelli of Eli, Nevada, um, stuffed chicken breasts. Mm. So those those yeah. those were the top four in 1971. Um, well, one- hats, hats off to all of those uh, housewives who entered and are listed in the newspaper by their husband's name. Um, <laughs> Whoever they really, could possibly be. They, they, they put they, uh, they they did a they did a nice job there. The nameless women of the Delmarva cooking contest circa 1971. The unnameless women, though, are the ones I'm even a little bit more interested in. Because um, mm-hmm. Little Miss, uh, I'm sorry, so Miss Chicken, Miss, uh, what's it called? Delmarva Poultry Princess mm. was um, Miss Beverly Green, who, had, mm-hmm. who in 1971 was 17 years old and lived in Princess Anne. But the other one, Miss Kimberly Ann Phillips of Ocean City, was four and a half years old, which means she could be a listener. That puts her at about 56 years old right now. Wow. And last name Phillips? Yeah. So Kimberly Ann Phillips, if you know Kimberly Ann Phillips, have her reach out to us because I would love to talk to her about what she remembers from this historic day. Yeah. One of the, uh, I got to read you the quote. So I'm going to read you the quote from one of the judges. Um, and if you thought that, I'm sorry, this isn't as bad as not putting the woman's first name, but, you know, this is back, uh, this is like, I knew them when kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. 50 food editors from all over the country, as well as visitors from the Ocean City beaches, took a new look at chicken this weekend. Chicken is Ooh. often too maligned, said James A. Beard of New York, a cookbook author whose column is carried in the sun. 
Actually, it is the most versatile of all main course meats. So this is James A. Beard of the James A. Beard Award back when he wow. was a stringer for, <laughs> for the Baltimore Sun, a cookbook writer. Oh, a cookbook That's, writer? Yeah. Oh, good luck with that, Mr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mr. There's no James. money in cookbook writer, writing. Um this was his 10 or 12th time that he that he judged the contest. So he really liked to come to this. I can't imagine what it was like. I wish there were more photos. Right now, there's just one big photo of Beverly Green. Um, and it's not it's not that it's not flattering. It's just it's she wasn't looking at the camera. It's like they snuck up on her. <laughs> <laughs> well, it took a half hour to take pictures in the yeah, 70s, right? No, I think that they had regular cameras by then. But then... <laughs> The other big announcement, and I want to find it because it's crazy, um, was Mr. Purdue was quoted. Um, the whole industry is changing, said Mr. Purdue, who processes a million broilers a week in Salisbury and a new plant in Aquamac, Virginia. About oh, wow. 60% of the industry is now controlled by large corporations, he said, and only about 40% of the industry is still in the hands of family businesses such as ours. He wow. is now establishing his own label through independent promotion, particularly in the New York area. Wow. So this is, and I checked, so this is 1971. He wow. started, he, he was about to debut his first commercial. Uh, it takes a tough man to make a tender chicken in the New York wow. markets came out right after this. So at the previous years, like Purdue chicken wasn't necessarily a thing. Um, mm. He started, he started the branding, the branding in 19. He started thinking of, they started moving toward vertical integration and branding in 1968. And then it was just crazy to read that, to read that paragraph. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking maybe I'll put my name on the chicken and market it to the New York area. Yeah. Well, the, the three, the three bigs in that <laughs> chicken nuggets were invented. <laughs> uh, James Beard, uh, you know, was making his vacations to Ocean City, uh, about to turn that into a lucrative thing. And, uh, you know, and, and good old Frank Perdue decided that he wanted to, to try to sell chickens to New York. That's, that's outstanding. Like that's one of those things. Um, like what is it? Oh, Barbara Walters just died recently, right. and the the whole comment like uh, MLK and Anne Frank were born the same year as Barbara Walters. Like you just can't wrap your head around that. I I feel like this is a this is one of those situations where you just can't wrap your head around that chicken nuggets weren't invented and Purdue wasn't everywhere. Can you wrap your head around James Beard saying that chicken nuggets were the best meal at? <laughs> I've at lost the all credit. Convention? He's he's lost all credibility. Although so from I now on, it. I think we should refer to him as chicken nugget enthusiast James A. Beard, <laughs> and 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 cookbook author <laughs> and cookbook author. <laughs> That's amazing. That is real. But I think that is. Uh, well, that's obvious why it died out and uh, was not able to be revitalized is because they perfected chicken nuggets. And, you know, 
like, where are you going to go from creating chicken nuggets at your festival? Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know if it's dead. I feel like it's dead. I, I, I don't know why it's dead, but I have heard of the um, pan before. So by the way, if, if you guys are local listeners and you remember this, or you know anything about the Delmarva chicken festival, um, please, please let us know. I mean, I can, I could do more research, but I'm not gonna, unless it's in the next <laughs> newspaper I open. Um, I do remember that I feel like the pan was, I don't think I'm, I think it was like 10 feet across. Okay. I think, I think it was like a cast iron frying pan that and, was and, and at the time that <laughs> which is which is not small but no, no like, it's not small at all but i feel like i've seen bigger frying pans you know like when did you see a bigger frying pan <laughs> i don't know wait not only On do social I media. Doubt that, not only do i doubt that but like if you saw a picture of a 10 foot frying pan or a picture of a 12 foot frying pan <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. like anything that's bigger than a foot and a half you're like holy christ that's massive <laughs> <laughs> 20 uh, feet 100 feet like unless there are you know 100 people standing around it it's gonna look it's gonna look pretty massive so if i can yeah. if i can scratch one of them up i'll post i'll post that as part of this week's uh show and newsletter that would be a good photo to yeah. steal for the uh for the cover if if i could do that but yeah so that's my that's my report that's this week that's well also my, uh, also I, I i really feel strongly about trying to track down miss poultry Pen, uh, princess of 1971 yes um I absolutely mean, you might know her i mean unfortunately for i mean for better or worse kimberly ann phillips is a pretty com- i mean kimberly phillips is probably a a, a common name in ocean yeah um but yeah, Little Miss Delmarva, Little Miss Delmarva Poultry Princess. Um, I was reading stories from the 1930s where they where they had Del Dash Mar Dash Va, and I'd be interested ah. to see when that fell out of favor. Um, the story from the 30s was cool too. It, it, this was this was hard to choose, but when I got to the chicken McNuggets and then to the whole Frank Purdue, I'm thinking of expanding. I uh, I said that this was <laughs> definitely that's amazing. Definitely this week's winner. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. Thanks for thanks for bringing it back around. I uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, like you said, you may have set the bar too high. But yeah, I'm I not don't sure. Yeah, I, I've got I've got a real estate scandal that I'm um, that I'm working on, but it's it's hard to kind of wrap my head around, and it's certainly not as much fun as you know Frank Beard loving on the chicken McNuggets. So <laughs> man, James Beard, That's, excuse me, Jack James. All right. Well, we are out of time and I am out of things to say. How about you? Uh, I got nothing. All right. Well, until next time, remember at the beach. It's happy hour whenever you say it is. Day Drinking on Delmarva with Todd DeHart and Tony Russo is produced weekly, mostly by dumb luck. You can join them Wednesday afternoons or find them online at daydrinkingondelmarva.com. Thanks for listening and we'll check back in with you next week. (laughs) 